0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 9th of May, 2010, entitled, A Plea for God's Presence, Part 2, and the Bible reading is taken from Isaiah, chapter 64, verses 1 to 12. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. This morning in the book of Isaiah, chapter 64, we had a long ways yet to go when we uh, finished this morning. That uh, We got through the introduction, so if each point takes that long, I've only got three points this evening, so uh, we'll do well. Let me invite you to stand this evening to honor the reading of God's Word, beginning in Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 1. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. As when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou didst terrible things which we looked not for, thou camest down, the mountains flowed down at thy presence. For well, Since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear, nor hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. Thou meetest him that rejoiceth and worketh righteousness. Those that remember thee in thy ways, behold, thou art wroth, Thou art wroth, for we have sinned, and those is continuance, and we shall be saved. We are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousness are as filthy rags. and We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. There is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. Thou hast hid thy face from us and hast consumed us because of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, thou art our Father, we are the clay. And thou our potter, and we all are the work of thy hand. Be not wroth, very sore, O Lord, neither remember iniquity forever. Behold, see, we beseech thee, we are all thy people. The holy cities are a wilderness, Zion is a wilderness, Jerusalem a desolation. Our holy and our beautiful house, where our fathers praised thee, is burned up with fire, and all our pleasant things are laid waste. Wilt Thou refrain Thyself for these things, O Lord? Wilt Thou hold Thy peace and afflict us very sore? Father, we thank You again this evening for the time that we can share together in Your house. Lord, we thank You for each one that is here this evening, and we pray that Your hand would be upon all those that aren't. Father, as we come now to Your Word, we recognize so fully well Lord, that we need the touch from heaven. We need, Father, for You to take these words and make them alive to hearts this evening. And Father, we pray that You would do that which needs to be done in each and every life here. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. A plea for God's presence. We looked this morning as we looked here and we related some of the things that would relate back when we get back to our series next Sunday morning, God willing. And one of the fundamentals of our faith that we're contending for that we're looking at right now is that of the Holy Spirit. And of course, we related this prayer into the New Testament and what we saw that that Christ had instructed His apostles just before leaving this earth and what took place on the day of Pentecost as a result of that presence of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. Then we looked and we said as we look back at this chapter, we can certainly look around us and we can see many similarities. I'd just like to remind you, first of all, as we look through this passage, remember we look back there in verse 19, We are thine, thou never bearest rule over them. They were not called by thy name the prophet Isaiah he is literally this is a record of a prayer that he is praying to God and of course we said this morning what he's really saying is that we as God's people are just as desolate as they are when we look at this we said that this prayer is really a plea on the prophet's part Notice that he starts there in chapter 64. Oh, thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence, as when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou didst terrible things which we look not for, thou camest down, the mountains flowed down at thy presence. And it's really these three verses that I would like to focus our attention on this evening. And of course, we said, as we look at these things this morning, we talked about the great need, that we don't need more of just the status quo of playing Christianity, of playing church, By the same token, we don't need a lot of man-made froth that really has nothing except man's emotions and man's to do with it. But we need, we need so very, very much the genuine presence of God. And we know as Christians, yes, God lives within us. He is there and He is alive. But we need the presence of God in our midst. We need His work in our midst. And the first thing, As we said, we'd look at three important aspects of this prayer for help, this plea for God's presence. The first one is, first of all, recognition of the need. You know, many times that doesn't come easy for us in a lot of areas as as human beings. It's not always easy to admit that we need something that we cannot do for ourselves. And of course, as most of us that hopefully are here this evening will be able to look back and to remember that day that you come to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, one of the hardest things that most of us have to come to is, first of all, recognizing the need, that we are sinners, that we need to be saved. Well, I'm saying that in this passage here we've already seen the prophet is, has begun in the, in, in the last chapter talking about the fact that we are just as desolate as the world is. We don't see the presence of God working in our lives. God's people, the nation of Israel here, we don't see God working in our lives any more than we do out there in the world. I'm saying that today you and I, and understand what I'm saying, folks, we don't need any more religion. Because religion really is all about Man trying to find his way, somehow trying to to reach up to God. Whereas the truth is that we found in redemption is God reaching down to man. We don't need any more recipes for success. We can buy all kind of books today, how to this and how to that, how to be a great Christian, how to build great churches, how to be successful Christians and all these things. I'm saying we don't need any more religion. We don't need any more recipes. We don't need any more rowdy worship, (laughs) trying to express our feelings and entertain our friends. You see, we live in an entertainment-focused world. And so many times people somehow have got themselves convinced that this is God moving when all it is is man trying to entertain others that the world comes in our churches and they feel comfortable. We don't need any more ruckus and racket. We don't need people making noise just to show how spiritual you are. Now, I'll tell you, by the same token, we don't need any more dead bird nest either. <laughs> You know, sometimes people are afraid to say amen. They're afraid to to stand up for the Lord. They're afraid to, to lift their hand and shout hallelujah because somebody might think you flipped your lid or something. What I'm saying is we don't need man in his own way, in his own flesh. We're not talking about just making a bunch of noise to prove that we're spiritual and that God is here with us. We don't need any more ridiculous ranting, if you'll forgive me in saying it. You can find plenty of that if you want to turn your TV on to many of the quote-unquote Christian religious broadcasting. Thank God there is some good stuff there. But I'm telling you what, it's full of false teaching too. It's full of all things that is no more a bit found in, in God's Word and so contrary to God's Word. That's not what we're talking about we don't need any more replications of the world in order to appeal to the flesh around us. What we do need, folks, and this is a pretty graphic illustration that he gives us here, he begins, all that thou wouldest rend the heavens. That's a graphic word, I mean, it's a, it's a strong word that's, that's translated rend there in our Bibles. It literally means to, to tear asunder, to tear apart. Like you'd take a, a garment and just rip it in half. It's the word that's used of a of a wild animal getting a hold of something and just ripping it to bits. And the prophet is praying to God. He's literally praying to God, Lord, the, the desire is here. The, the plea is for God to to show himself in a a grand way that will be God, that the very heavens would be ripped open. The rending of the heavens and the revelation of God. I mean, what he's praying for is that God would rip away that which is separating him from mankind. Rip the heavens, little, little h. Rip the skies open that God might be seen in all of his sovereign power, that he might be seen in the heavens above by mankind upon this earth. Do something, God, that will leave no doubt that you're there, that you're God. The rending of the heavens, the revelation of God in his power and the reality of his presence, oh that thou wouldst rend the heavens, that thou wouldst come down. That's his plea. They don't want to just see God and see God doing something. They want God in their midst. No more pretenses. No more pretending and playing games. No more phoniness to our Christian lives and to our Christian churches. In other words, it's time to quit playing Christians and it's time to quit playing church. We need the the reality of God in our midst, doing that which can only be accredited to Him. That's what this this whole chapter, as we read it through, that's what the, the prophet's prayer is about. God's people, those faithful believers. Well they'll always they'll always genuinely believe that God will find a way to show Himself. Even when this world is in its densest darkness of, of troubled times, we find that that great entrance of the Lord Jesus Christ into this world. You know, he's the light, the light of this world he came to this world. But the Bible says they comprehended him not. You know, the truth is, is that the darkness can never overcome the light. Now, the specific idea here, what what the prophet is really praying for on Israel's behalf is that God would literally come down in his power and destroy the enemies of God's people that all seem to be coming against them. You see... It's, as we touched on this morning, even as we came around the Lord's tables, it's, it's sin and slothfulness, if you would, that they'll close the heavens. They cut off communion with God. They cut off that fellowship that He wants to, to have with each and every one of us. That sin has got to be dealt with if the heavens are going to be rent if the presence of God is going to be brought into our midst, if it's not dealt with now through the finished work of Jesus Christ, it will be dealt with one day. We stand and face God face to face. Sin cannot be pushed aside. Sin will never be left not taken care of. We find that It was Jesus Himself. Remember when He died on the cross, there was something else that was rent. The veil in the temple. The Bible says it was was rent in twain. It was literally just ripped in half. That which separated man from the Holy of Holies, from God Himself. Jesus Christ dealt with that sin when His own blood, was sprinkled there on the mercy seat. Oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down. You see, that's the the need today of every human being, of sinners and and saints alike. That's the remedy for our needs. That's the, the soul's everlasting need. It's the world around us, it's there, dying need, the presence of God, the manifestation of His power and His glory. Today we've got to recognize the need for God's presence amongst us. You see, one of the hardest things, one of the first steps, because we've gotten so so well-tuned on our doctrines, that of course God is always with us because He lives in me and He dwells in me. Folks, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about God. We're talking about, as we will be touching on again over these next couple of Sundays in the morning services, that's what the feeling of the Holy Spirit is all about. Yes, He does come in. It's through the Holy Spirit that you're regenerated in the first place as He's the only one that can come and convict you and show you that you're a sinner and point you to the Savior. He's the one that seals you until the day of redemption. He's the one that baptizes you into the body of Christ. But the filling of the Holy Spirit is something that needs to continually take place in our lives day after day after day. Does God truly, genuinely have control of our lives, we find that we need to recognize that we genuinely need the presence of God in our midst and working in our midst. And until we're willing to admit that and to recognize that and to understand that, we don't need to become better at doing our professional job of churchmanship. But not only do we need, first of all, to recognize that need. There's the recognition of the need, but second, there is the realization of His work. And I just briefly touched on this this morning. You see, He first of all, we have the plea here, oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down. But notice what it says next. That the mountains might flow down at thy presence, as when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou didst terrible things which we look not for, Thou camest down, the mountains flowed down at thy presence. You see, in his presence, in the presence of God that we see here, we see those mountains shaking. We see the fires burning. We see the waters boiling. We see the nations trembling before him. We see these terrible, or if you would, awesome deeds being accomplished that even God's people weren't looking for. Now, of course, all of this, the imagery here, is in fact uh, the memory of the reality of God's presence amongst His people at Mount Sinai. They want to see the reality of God's presence amongst them again. They've heard about it. They weren't alive then, but their ancestors were. But they want it to be a reality in their lives, not just to read about what God has done, but that God might have control right now. God's presence, I said this morning, will do some things amongst us. Things will happen. First of all, the bringing down is the mountains here. It might be the mountains of Difficulties. Many of those difficulties are created by by sin and by all those vain imaginations in our lives. It might be bringing down the mountains of selfishness, dishonoring and hindering God's work. Again, I remind you, I touched this morning that it's a good thing to want God's presence so that you can be a better Christian so that you can be happy, so that you can be joyful, so that your needs can met, so all these things. But that can't be the primary purpose because it becomes selfish. The primary purpose has got to always be Him when God's presence is with us. It'll bring down those mountains of difficulties that are created by sin and, and our vain imaginations. It'll bring down those mountains of selfishness. It'll bring down I believe one of the greatest mountains in the lives of Christians today, that mountain of indifference that just blocks the channels of blessings. We just, we just shut it out. We pretend that the needs aren't real. We pretend that we don't have to be involved. We just get on with our day-to-day lives. I ask you this morning, and I'll be asking you again this evening, do you really want the presence of God in your life for God to have control? Because the truth is, if he's there and if he's in control and he has all of you, then I promise you there's not a one of us here that things won't change in our lives. There's some mountains that it'll bring down. There was also the burning up, just as the brushwood here. It'll burn up that brushwood of self confidence and pride. Folks. We've gotten too polished. We've got it all figured out. (laughs) We've got it all down pat. We know all the terminology. We know how to to look good on the outside. We know how to speak the right lingo. The problem is, we know too well how to just carry on in ourselves, in our flesh. We can just kind of flip on to autopilot. (laughs) We know we're not supposed to say those things and go those places and do this and do that and just coast through life. I'm saying with the presence of God, that self-confidence and pride is going to be burned up. You're going to recognize and realize that you never, ever, ever have in your life and never will in your life, neither has any other human being ever accomplished anything for God in the power of the flesh. We can't become smart enough We can't build ourselves up to become so spiritual, so intellectual. We can't get enough degrees after our names that will accomplish anything for God. Remember what we saw in Acts this morning. Jesus told them himself, this is what you've got to do, but don't you do it until I come against again in the person of the Holy Spirit. This promise of the Father that's been promised, until you have that, don't undertake this work. Some things will be burned up. You'll burn up those brushwood of those vain thoughts and pleasures. You know, we're human. There's certain things we like. The problem is we've all got problems with the flesh, and it's the pleasures of that flesh Now we might can point our finger out there at somebody else and say, "Well, they, you know, they've got a problem with drinking. They really ought not to have that as a Christian." You know, I I may not have any temptation whatsoever, you know, towards the bottle. (laughs) I may have more of a temptation when my wife cooks a big dinner and I shouldn't be going back for those seconds, but that's sinful. (laughs) I'm saying why? Because my flesh enjoys it. (laughs) I love my food. And I realize I've got to be careful there. The truth is is you know there we, we all have things and we can look at extremes or we can look in our, in our everyday life. What I'm saying is there's things we just enjoy. and those are the hardest things to deal with. It's in the presence of God, it'll just burn up a lot of those things, those things that are there for me. the brushwood of fleshly strength and energy. You see, God's presence will do some things. It'll bring down some mountains. And it'll burn up some brushwood in our lives. All those things that are done in the flesh or done for the flesh, that's that wood, hay, and stubble that's going to be literally burned up because, folks, God is love. But God is a consuming fire as well. It's going to bring down some mountains. It's going to burn up some brushwood. And it's going to boil over some things in our lives too. We saw Mount Sinai, the presence of God, that that literally, that, that water was just boiling in those ditches, wasn't it? Well, the presence of God will be boiling in our hearts because of the power of His presence. Burning hearts mean burning desires that are closed in burning words that will come forth as burning testimonies of the Lord. (laughs) Tongues. One of those deadliest of all things. Tongues become a flame of holy fire, though. The problem is they're just a, a fire on their own. No fiery serpent, as the Bible says. But they'll become holy fire. In Psalm 104, verse 4, the psalmist says, Who maketh his ministers a flame of fire. The bowling of our affections as they become hot for the things of God and hot for His glory. Bowling of our prayer life. The Bible itself says it's the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man that availeth much. It's that which comes from within with real meaning, with real affection. God knows the heart. You can pray all the words in the world, but if it's not that which is really coming within you, then they're accomplishing nothing. I'm saying with God, truly present in our lives and in our church, it's going to change some things. It'll pull down some mountains just like it did at Sinai. It'll burn up some things. It'll bring some things to the boil in our life that needs to come to the boil. We need the recognition of the need of God's presence amongst us. But we need the realization of His work amongst us. God doing those things that Day by day, so many times, with all the the best intentions in the world. We're just doing ourselves. We're doing them in our own strength. You see, we need something else. First of all, to recognize the need. First of all, realize the work that God's going to do some things. But thirdly, we need to understand the result. The result... Is you see, we're not seeking God's presence as some kind of a game. It's not just for fun. We're not seeking God's presence. As I said this morning, too many seek it and never find it because they're seeking for their own selfish reasons. We're not seeking God's presence. Folks, take this in the right spirit. We're not seeking it so we can put on a better show than the church down the road or the one up the road. We're not here to put on a show. We find that the second part of verse 2 here, he tells us clearly the result that should be sought. He says, To make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble, at thy presence. You notice something in your Bible? How many of you are following along in your Bible? What's the last thing you see at the end of verse 2? Somebody tell me. An exclamation mark. Anybody ever tried to count how many exclamation marks are in your Bible? <laughs> Not very many. <laughs> you see that the nations, that his name might be known that the nations may tremble at thy presence. This is the heartfelt desire. Too often if people do have a desire for the presence of God, it's, it's unfortunately primarily for those personal reasons. You know, maybe they really do long for the power of his presence in their own personal life for their own personal deliverance. Well, I mean, that that can be good and that can be natural to to want deliverance and to be used of God and for things to be done in your life that can only be done through Him. But I'm saying there's a much higher reason, there's a much mightier reason to, to plead for His presence amongst us. We need to be pleading for His presence amongst us that His name, can be known amongst his his adversaries, amongst his enemies, amongst the lost of this world, what happened on the day of Pentecost when the presence of God came there. The truth is, is after Peter stood up and and preached his heart out, 3,000 souls were saved. That his name, that the name of Jesus. I'm saying, you know, it's good. The Bible says it's good to desire the office of a bishop. It's good to want to preach God's Word. But the truth is, we want the presence of God in our lives and in our church. If we're really going to see Him work in our lives and our church, then the reasons have got to be right. And the first is that the name of Jesus can be named, can be known amongst his adversaries, amongst the world, amongst the sinners that are out there, that his name can be known. Not that they can talk about what a wonderful Christian you are because you're so spiritual, because God does this through you and God does that through you. That the name of Jesus can be known. doesn't matter if they never know me and they never know you. But they know that Jesus has done something that the nations might tremble, at his presence God wants a sanctified people a people that are that are set apart that the heathen know that they belong to God that the people know that there's something present in that person that's not human huh. I know a lot of people think we're not human for a whole lot of reasons But the best one is because that God's presence is there. God's presence amongst us in the person of the Holy Spirit. It should be for the glory of Christ. We looked at this passage when we began some weeks back talking about the Holy Spirit in in John chapter 16. And I just remind you there of verses 13 and 14. This is Jesus talking about what the Holy Spirit is going to do when He comes in His place. How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. Listen, He shall glorify Me, Jesus said, for He shall receive of Mine and shall show it unto you. You see, even now, God, in the person of the Holy Spirit, present and working in our lives, it's all going to be about Jesus. (laughs) That's who he wants to point man to. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can do that. He's the only one that can show them that they're a sinner. He's the only one, but it's Jesus that he wants them to see, not him. Even though he's just as much God as Jesus is, His whole ministry is to point men to Jesus. I'm saying, what is our lives about? Is our life just about getting through another week at work or getting through the next exam or or getting through, you know, whatever we've got planned for this next week or this next month? Or it is about truly, genuinely Jesus Christ being seen in our lives? You see, I'm saying we need, folks, and we need to recognize that need. We need to recognize the need of the presence of God in our lives, in our church. We need to realize the work that that'll do, that it's going to change some things. It's going to change our lives. It's going to change our church. God is truly in control and doing what He wants to do. But that our desire, the result, all of this, should be for the fact that the name of Jesus can be named and known amongst those that don't know him, that the nations would tremble in his presence. We need the presence. I know it scares shh, Baptist, to talk about the day of Pentecost sometimes. We need the power that was present on the day of Pentecost with everybody there from all over the world and all their, their different tongues and yet they heard the gospel in their tongue, in their language. They knew the name of Jesus was being named and 3,000 of them come to the Lord. I'm saying we need that kind of power in our lives and in our church today. We don't need any more made-up froth. We don't need any more made-up phony religions. We don't need man doing his thing. We need God doing his in our midst. Do we really want God present within our lives and within our church in such a way Do we really wanna be filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit to that degree? Do we really want the mountains to flow down? Some of them we kinda like, we've, you know, we've learned to kinda sightsee from them. Do we really want all that brushwood burned up in our lives? We can get attached to it if you're not careful. Do we want the waters of our affections and our heart's desire to be made to boil for the things of God? You know, it's something to think about. Do we want God's presence to be so real, His name to be known? Let me ask you this and be honest to yourself. Do you want God to be that real in your life? But when you go through your neighborhood, when you go into your school, when you go on to your job, that the sinners would be made to tremble at the presence of God in their midst. Not because how good a Christian you are, but because the presence of God is so real on your life that it makes those around us tremble because of their sin. Father, we realize this evening as we look at this passage, oh, it was certainly a plea from the heart of the prophet Isaiah. I'm saying this evening, Lord, I would that it would be a plea from our heart here this evening, truly, truly, that the heavens would be rent that you would come down amongst us in such a way. Lord, that these mountains would be brought down, that these things would be burned up in our lives, that some things would be brought to the boil, that our affections, our desires, our very being be towards that one called Jesus, be towards the things of God. Lord, We don't need any patting on the back. We don't need to be recognized as a good this or a friendly that. I pray that above all that Bethel could be recognized as the name itself, means the house of God, that it could be recognized as a place of your presence, not because of men's froth and what men does, but because of the reality of you, Lord, in our lives, and in our church, controlling all that we are and all that we do. Lord, that's what this nation needs. That's what this world needs. But, Father, it must begin in us as individuals in recognizing that's what I need. That's what this church needs. Father, we can't change the whole world. We can't change our lives. Lord, I pray that as you promised, you promised to build your church, and I pray, Lord, that you'd build this church right here with those that you would have here, build it as you would see fit to accomplish the work, and I pray, Lord, that in the lives of those that are already here and those that you would bring in, that you would have a people that genuinely from their hearts would have the same plea for the presence of God as the prophet Isaiah did for God's people, some 2,700 years ago. Lord, that is our need today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.